Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's the show that wonders, if Billy Joel didn't start the fire, then who did? It was just on the radio. On today's show, we will of course be looking forward to Manchester City's Premier League swan song this Sunday. A trophy lift, 10,000 fans there to see it. Lovely stuff. We'll also be talking strikers, as well as celebrating a player who, in less than a season, is already on his way to becoming a bona fide legend, Ruben Diaz. To discuss all this, I'm delighted to be joined by three guys who, in less than a season, are on their way to becoming 9320 legends. It's Adam, Harry and Ali. Hi Adam, you well pal? Yeah, good, yeah. Um, kind of excited for it all to finish now, to be quite honest. Yeah, it's a bit of a kind of um, contradiction in terms that, but I feel exactly the same way, excited about it ending. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Harry, you well? Yeah, I keep getting excited for Sunday and then realising that I will never ever see Sergio Aguero play in a City oh, show live man. again. And it's just making me feel like extremely down. We've, I've included it in the agenda. I fear I may cry. Don't get me started this early. <laughs> <laughs> Spare my embarrassment for another yeah, 10 minutes. No <laughs> Ali, you okay, one? I'm very well, thanks. Still buzzing from uh, uh, being champions and uh, haven't, haven't, haven't quite lost the, uh, the thrill yet. And on another note, are you nervous slash excited about tomorrow's big final? I am churning up inside. As I say, for, for those who don't know, uh, Man City's resident St. Johnston fan checking in here and we've got the Scottish Cup final tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, it's a big one. We've, we've, uh, I, was, I was at... Yeah, Scottish Cup final in 2013, which we won. Uh, obviously, I wasn't at the League Cup final in March, April, mm. which we also won. Uh, so we've got a, a hit rate of of 100% in finals so far. Um, and oh, God, I, I, I have to stop talking about it. I'll think about Sergio instead because uh, it, it's... <laughs> Less emotional. Uh, keep, keep, keep all that, my wild, like, inflamed bundles of emotions that are darting about all over the place all focused in the one direction. Have they got fans there, Ali, tomorrow? Uh, I don't think there's any at all. Um, oh, that's a shame. No, there's none. There's no fans in Scotland. I, they, they were talking about getting a couple of thousand in, but it's none at all now. Do, do St. Johnson have fans? That, that's the end of the question. Do they have fans? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, put it this Sorry. Way, Sorry. McDermott Sting. Park is a capacity of 10,000. <laughs> that is so... You know, you're a City fan and I you know. get that every week. That is disgusting. <laughs> You know, what makes it worse? No. There's a little sadistic pleasure for being the one actually dishing it out. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, when, when I was at the final last time round, uh, and uh, St. Johnson had about 15,000 fans there, uh, Dundee United had about uh, 20,000, and there were still about 15,000 empty seats in uh, uh, Celtic Park, if it was, Parkhead, where. Yeah. Hamden was closed at the time. Um, and we got loads of grief from particularly Celtic and Rangers fans after for the fact that there was empty seats in the ah. stadium. And Perth is a city that's got about 50,000 people in it, of which about half are either Celtic and Rangers fans. Yes. Um, yeah. uh, uh, another quarter have got no interest in football at all. So basically every St. Johnson fan on the planet has got themselves <laughs> to Glasgow that day. And we were still getting grief. It's not our fault we come from a diddy little town. Yeah. Anyway, so, sorry. City, City, where are we? City indeed, and Everton on <laughs> Sunday. Um, Adam, were you surprised, well, actually, before we look ahead, let's quickly look back. Were you surprised at how strong Pep went against Brighton? Um, no, I think we, just, we we kind of got this right, I think, when we discussed it last week, that we said that he needs to change the team around 
and kind of build towards the final. And we saw the Newcastle game, which was the chaos ball that, that we expected. And then he needs to get those players rhythm, like he always likes to talk about. So mm. I wasn't too surprised. Um, I was quite surprised with the way that they played. But at the same time, it's just, you, you can almost tell the last two games are just end of season nothing. Yeah. Where if there are mistakes, it's like, well, just get them out of the way. Get your mistakes out of the way. Get any slip-ups out of the way and uh, just get over the line without getting injured. So it, it was all right. Ali, would you kind of touching on that, what Adam said there about the way we played, I kind of interpreted it as the lads didn't really fancy, you know, an out-and-out battle, which, you know, Brighton were well up for. Um, and I completely get it. It's perfectly understandable, the Champions League final imminent. Um how did you feel about that? And do you, are you fearful that Everton basically might bring it uh, this weekend? Uh, was that to me, Steve? Uh, yes, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I thought the, the Tuesday game was a bit weird because uh, obviously the red card changed everything. So like the players were having to do 10% more work to, to uh, keep the game afloat. Um, and I thought roughly half our team gave absolutely everything to it and the other half disappeared altogether. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I literally didn't see Marez in the second half once. I don't think he touched the ball and yet he was mm. apparently on the pitch. Um, and presumably that that was why. Meanwhile, Phil Foden was being Phil Foden and doing his absolute damnedest to win a game single-handedly. And I don't think uh, I don't think you could make Phil take his foot off the accelerator if you if you doubled his wages. Um, that's just two years. Uh, but the you know I, one of the things we said uh, this time last week going into the two games is we were a bit worried about the lack of intensity of the matches and that the players that did play wouldn't really be keeping up their match fitness because you know the games looked a bit at least on paper looked a bit easy. Um, nothing could be further from the truth in, in either games. Um, you know the Brighton one because of the red card changing everything. Uh, it was actually quite a, a high intensity game in many ways. It, it um, I enjoyed it. We'll, we'll talk about the refereeing and all that kind of stuff later. Oh, uh, but I know when when you know when I went on Twitter after you know City fans were furious. And I don't know what you guys all felt about it, but there was kind of there was real anger um, about Atwell and everything that had happened. Um, I was really quite blasé and kind of you know tranquilo about it. Um, yeah. The, the refereeing was terrible, but it didn't really matter. I'm quite glad that we had that refereeing performance after the league was won and, and when it wasn't in a Champions League final. And I just find it all quite funny, to be honest. I, I really enjoyed it. And and the fact that it, we had a five-goal thriller coming on top of a seven-goal thriller, I've just yeah. been really enjoying the last two games. It's been really good fun. And the players who have been on the pitch have been getting quite a, quite a decent workout. Um, I think, when, yeah, as Adam said, when we talked last week, one of the things we said was we wanted all the uh, kind of first 11 or first 15 players to be getting a full game here, half a game there, you know, um, not absolutely run themselves into the ground, but getting enough football to keep themselves sharp. And I think that's what's happened. And I think that's probably what will continue to happen on Sunday. I hope. Well, I mean, the refereeing at Brighton could be said to be a rehearsal for the Champions League final. I hope not, <laughs> but it, it could be. Um, Harry, we're, given how strong we were against Brighton, is there a mm. chance this might be somewhat of a shadow team against Everton? Um, you know, Sterling to start, perhaps Laporte? Mm. I think you got it spot on. Both Pep and the players, particularly after that game, I think will be a bit terrified of picking up any injuries, especially with the, 
the scare with with Ilkay. So I think we might see a sort of lineup more akin to, to Newcastle rather than Brighton. I mean, it all depends on injuries too. Um, as I said, Gundogan will will be nowhere near the lineup, but I won't yeah. be surprised if De Bruyne features purely for fitness purposes. I thought he might have got twenty minutes at the end of the Brighton game, but obviously he wasn't completely ready to to get some legs. Um, Sterling and Walker, according to the club, were, were not fully fully fit the other night. So with Walker a guaranteed starter in the final, I can't see him being risked. Sterling, however, will be desperate for any time on the pitch. So I, I can see him featuring, obviously depending on fitness. Laporte also, because he hasn't featured in, in in any of the, the sort of past two games, so I'd, I'd expect him to, to be in there too. Um, but it's very much a mixture and I'm excited first of all, to, to see Ferran Torres because I felt a bit sorry for him having to go yes, off after that absolutely yeah. shocking refereeing call. Um, and I bet if he's not, you know, injuries permitting, having a chance of being in the starting lineup, he's definitely sort of played his way into being a, an option off the bench. Um, and obviously if he scores a, a few more goals, that sort of solidifies that. So I'm excited to see him on Sunday. Uh, and I was a bit, a bit gutted for him when, when he went off. Well, yeah, the commentator against Brighton got a, quite a bit of flack. Uh, Lucy Ward, I think her name was, on, on Twitter. But mm. I think she made a really good point um, at some point throughout the game. She said that the players aren't just kind of auditioning for the, for the starting lineup because that pretty much will be in Pep's mind already. They yeah. want to be the first name that he thinks of when he's looking to bring a substitute on. So at least they feature in the Champions League final. I think that particularly applies to Ferran Torres and Raheem Sterling. So... Um, Adam, does it worry you, Everton, with what we've just been talking about? I mean, they're going to be full of intensity. They want to finish a season on the high. City players, meanwhile, basically just want to see this game out without injuries. Does that lend itself to... And also, you know, let's not forget, Everton have a brilliant away record this season. So are you concerned about the weekend or am I just projecting my concerns onto you guys? <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything really to be concerned about. Um Worst case scenario is we don't win the game yeah, <laughs> um, and it doesn't really matter. But I think having a crowd there will help. Um, the players will have missed having a crowd there and they'll want to put on a bit of a show to see the, the end of season out, I imagine, and say goodbye to Aguero and all that sort of stuff. So I, I think it's more of an occasion than a a, a proper matchup, really. I yeah. think they'll be, they'll be playing the occasion rather than the match and... They'll, you'll probably see players having pot shots from here, there and everywhere, trying to score wonder goals and all that sort of stuff. But I'm not concerned. The only thing is just get the players through it unscathed, get some minutes in the legs like we just talked about with De Bruyne. I think that's important to get him up to scratch. Um, but I I don't imagine that City will go through the next week without having behind closed doors games. Yeah. Um, I think they will take place somewhere. Um, over the next week just to get those players right ready for for next Saturday so I I think it'll be good to watch like Ali said I've weirdly enjoyed it Uh, I thought the Newcastle game was brilliant Uh, the Brighton game was just pure chaos where players were all over the place and Brighton really wanted it in front of the fans again so I think the 10,000 in there will be expecting City to put on a bit of a show but I do think if Everton come for a battle they're not getting one back off us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What's the point at this point? Yeah. Well, uh, with that in mind, Ali, would you take a loss if a trade-off was no injuries for anyone? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I would take anything in the trade-off with no injuries. I don't know if that uh, equation actually applies, though, because often when you 
don't fully commit to tackles, you're more likely to get injured and all those kind of things as well. That doesn't always work. And, you know, what could um, what could Gundogan have done to, to avoid getting a boot on the knee on, on Tuesday night? You know, it's like that. He he didn't do anything to deserve that tackle. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know how much that uh, that really works into consideration. Um but I think, as, uh, you know, as we just said, I think it'll be a celebration. It'll be a uh, end of season finale. I'm not that bothered about the result. I think I'm right in saying Everton haven't really got hope of of winning, of getting in top six. No. Anyway, um, no. so they haven't really got anything to play for. Uh, one thing we did see in the midweek fixtures, which I think is probably relevant, is uh, the Premier League results reverted to home advantage. Um, yeah, including with us, most of the games went to the the home team, and I'm sure the home crowd uh, and and referees uh, reacting to a home crowd had a large part to do with well, it. Quite, so yeah. you know that worked against us on Tuesday. It'll probably work for us on uh, on Sunday. Um, and then of course there's there's the emotional Sergio thing as well, which is huge. I and mean, we were talking about the team. Um, I'd be astonished if Sergio doesn't start. Um, I think he'll probably play sixty minutes and then go off to a standing ovation. Um, and, you know, we say Pep doesn't really do sentimentality, but then he picks Scott Carson. And then Pep is picking Scott Carson to play at Newcastle. Absolutely all bets are off. You know, anything, anything can happen. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I don't think any of us on, uh, on this pod have got tickets to be there on Sunday, which I'm sure we're all gutted mm-hmm. about. Um, to those who are there, I'm enormously jealous and envious of, of, uh, of all of you and hope you have a fantastic time. Um, but no, I'm just I'm just looking forward to enjoying it, and as, as the guy says, looking forward to lifting the trophy and and pack, wrapping a, a ribbon around the season and saying, right, done that one. Yeah. Well, Harry, how how do you see the actual ninety minutes kind of um, going? Um, I don't really care if I'm being honest, <laughs> uh, but I, I can see it going the sort of same as the past couple of weeks. Really, it's going to be a weird one because I don't know about you lot, but. I, I've been in the stadium every time they've lifted a Premier League trophy, so watching it at home is going to be like really strange. Mm. But in my sort of, I say Gareth Bale order of priorities, it goes Aguero Trophy Everton in that order. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's the title of this part. <laughs> yeah, no, there you go. So I, I, I think I think what the last two games have, have shown us is the, the sort of benefits of of having a sort of settled back four. Um, all season we've been solid because Diaz and Stones have been a, a staple most week. I mean, look what. Liverpool have been like they've had about 20 <laughs> different injury partners yeah. um, at, at the back so probably loads of goals again you know like as you say they want to put on a show um, depending on personnel in there I can s- see us shipping a few them shipping a few because they're nothing special to be honest um, maybe 3-2 <laughs> if you had to push me for a prediction but well, I really I mean, couldn't care less <laughs> I did the uh, a betting preview this week and focusing on all the games the fact that it was the final day of the season so I look back at previous final days and, of course, remember the 8-1 at Middlesbrough, but I forgot that it was a 7-1 Spurs against Hall. There was the 5-5, of course, United-West Brom. There was 6-1 Stoke-Liverpool. You get some <laughs> weird results on the last game of the season. Um, with that in mind then, so you're going 3-2. I'm inclined to agree, actually. I, I, I was going to go 3-2. Uh, Adam, score prediction? Um, I'm hoping it's going to be that end, but if you look at Everton's recent results... They've all been very 1-0, one 2-1 kind of thing. I'm hoping they take the handbrake off, but I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Okay. Uh, Ali? 
I I think I'll go more uh, chaos ball. Um, let's say five two city. <laughs> oh love it, love it. <laughs> um, something else I love as well, um, or someone else I love, I should say, Ruben Diaz. Um, just a this guy announced this week that he's the FWA Player of the Year. Um, I'm a member of the FWA, and yes, I voted for him, so I'm going to take full oh, credit for that. <laughs> was you was you lot baffled at the amount of votes for? For Kevin De Bruyne, I, I just compared compared to it's Ilkay Gundogan. So it's, it's a match so of a day, though. I think it's people who you know, and, and we're talking here about obviously journalists, people who, who their mm. job is to follow football. But it it just strikes me as kind of almost like a match of a day thing, where like a because he's a highlights player, isn't he? But we is, know is, week in week out. Is it, it not because he is? So you think of Ronaldo, Messi, their names will always come before their performances. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it, De Bruyne has almost got that about him, where he could have. He's he's not had the greatest of seasons, and he's had some injury problems, and he's not been as consistent as as he has been. And he's nowhere near the levels that he was uh, over the last couple of years because the, the standard was so high. He was by yeah. far the best player in the league. He's dropped well below that, not through much fault of his own. It's just other players have had better seasons and. The fact that he, he managed to finish was it above Gundogan? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, I think, I'm pretty sure yeah. he was second uh, above Which Kane makes, as well with the BBC one. <laughs> makes no sense to me no. because if you look at Gundogan's season, Gundogan dragged us through about two months of the season, and De Bruyne again, he, he's just got the the aura about him, hasn't he? So it's a lazy vote that for me. Well, the BBC put out a shortlist for the actual player of the year, and Casper um, mm. Schmeichel was was in there amongst the kind of the ten choices. And, and <laughs> was fans, that not Lineker? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably so. But but Leicester fans were, were saying, why is Casper Schmeichel there? He's we can name three Leicester players who have been better mm. than him this season so. because of the FA Cup. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's recent match of the day voting. It, it it happens, and no matter how knowledgeable people are about football, we also come to match of the day voting from time to time, and. I think De Bruyne is a perfect example of that. As to Bruno Fernandes, really, because, you know, he has been impressive. He has certainly mm. kind of been transformative for Manchester United this year. But, oh, come on, he doesn't deserve anything like the hype that he gets. I mean, he's anonymous in, like, half the games he plays. But back to Diaz. Um, oh, sorry, go. I was going to say, the thing that amazed me, that I, I think it was Henry Winter who put out that in the, uh, in the total count, there were nine different City players got votes. Right, which means somebody out there, a, a professional football writer out there, looked at a sitting season and voted for presumably Cancelo, yeah, um, and yeah. Bernardo, and definitely uh, Walker. Mm. You know, all of these people must have been getting at least one vote. And, 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 one as well, yeah. 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 All of these people. I, I, I mean, Foden might have got mine, to be honest. Uh, I, I would have no complaints about that. But yeah, um, yeah to, to look at all of the City <laughs> players this year um, as a professional, you know, with a professional analyst, you, and you know, and and to have you know, well, well yeah, Cancelo or, or whoever else was coming in at seventh, eighth, ninth is. You must have a very strange take in the game. That's all I can yeah. say. To be fair, I would vote. Phil Foden for Prime Minister right now, but it's yeah, I vote for him for for everything. <laughs> but but uh, with Ruben Diaz as his, as kind of deputy, um, so how how impressive has Ruben Diaz been this season? Does he deserve this merit? I mean, I'm assuming we all think yes, mm. but um, Harry, why does he deserve this merit that he's received this week? Oh, oh mate, it's just been an absolute dream. Uh, one thing that I think can't be underestimated with him is the amount of pressure he's under. Massive fee. 
the defence was in tatters, um, the replacement for the club's greatest ever captain. Mm. I mean, he is the reason why we've we've won the title this season, I, I think, and that's why I think he deserves to win the Football of the Year. Um, one thing I think that was quite interesting to point out is that his levels haven't dropped. Just quite aptly mentioning De Bruyne, there has been times this season, particularly when he came back from injury, where his levels weren't at the best. Uh, and, and, he, and he struggled to get back into it but Diaz has just been a constant 8, 9 out of 10 you know what, throughout that, the entire of the season that's a fantastic point uh, so often you see players who deservedly get player of the year or uh, FWA player of the year who and the, the critics say well hang on he's been a bit rubbish the past couple of months because they've put these outstanding displays in for two thirds or three quarters of a season and then dip. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right He hasn't. it hasn't dropped has he? No, 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 definitely not. And uh, compared to to some of the other players, I think in, in especially in City squad, I think Cancelo's had a struggle in the last couple of yes, months. Yeah. But he was outstanding for a period of time. I think Gundogan has kept similar levels to Diaz. Um, but obviously, with personnel coming back into the team, he's had to drop obviously slightly deeper and hasn't been scoring as many goals as he did between November and February. And I think when you got to Anfield, I know all the pundits were saying, "Well, there's no way anyone be- beats Ilkay Gundogan to 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 Player of the Year." So it just shows that Diaz has been been able to come in, and he came in late. Bear in mind, he was yeah. about a month into the season, wasn't he? So, you know, he's kept that up throughout the entirety of the run, and he has played, I pretty much say, every single game, bar, bar a few where he's had to be arrested for Champions League or since the the league's been run. And Adam, it sounds such an obvious question, but I, I like thinking about this. Ten years of Ruben Diaz in the centre of our defence, how much of a benefit would that be to Manchester City? It's it's just crazy to think what difference one player can make to yeah. the whole defence and to everyone in front of them as well. I think he's given the whole team confidence. He he can't take all the credit for helping John Stones, but he's certainly managed to elevate him and make him more comfortable and they, they get on. Um, and there's a proper like friendship there at the back that you need, I think, with a, a proper partnership. Um, he's brought leadership as well. And he will continue to lead. He will be club captain. There's no doubt about it. Um, it's just amazing to think as well that he's, what, just turned 24? Yeah. Um, and he's managed to just come into a side that, as Harry said, we're, we were bad at the back. It was a mess. And we were flipping between Otamendi and Fernandinho and Laporte and trying to find some stability. And what he's done is just come in and gone, right, we're fine now. Don't worry about it. And... Yeah, he's, he's just been a revelation and I'm really glad that he's got the plaudits that he deserves. Um, I wasn't worried that... I, I thought Gundogan would win it and he, he would have been... It would have been a fair result if he had won it. But the fact that, like Harry said, he, Ruben Diaz hasn't put in a bad performance really all season. Um, he's been solid without being too overstated. I think that's the other thing as well. He's not had games or he's not had that many games where you think wow, like Ruben Diaz was amazing. And I think that's almost credit to him that he's just going about it quietly and you almost already expect the levels that he's putting in. Um, So yeah, it it says a lot really. And the other thing that I'm happy about is he's not won it based on stats. Mm. Like you see players winning it because they get loads of assists, loads of goals, and it hasn't gone to that player. And and last year, Henderson won it for, for right or wrong, depending on which side of the fence you're on. I thought he deserved it because, again, it wasn't a stats win. It was without him, they wouldn't have won the league. And without Ruben Diaz, City would not have won the league this year. 
I think we can all agree on that. So I'm I'm delighted for him, and like I say, he'll he'll be club captain after Fernandinho. I'm certain of it. Yeah. Um, and he he deserves it. And the thought that he could still be here in what 2030 is terrifying. That we can <laughs> we can just build the spine of the team around him for the next 10 years, and it it will just continue to to build. And it, it's terrifying what he could do for us over those years as well. What he's going to win. Um, he he already could overtake company with uh, amount of things won, yeah. And we'd never have thought that. So, yeah, it's it's a testament to him, and he seems like a lovely man to boot. Absolutely, yeah, that, that does matter to me. That um, particularly if you're looking at kind of favourite players as well, players you have an affiliation with. Um, I love that you brought up Henson as well because last season Liverpool mm. fans were defending Henson for the exact same reason that you gave her Adam. Um, mm. And now they're crit- being critical of Ruben Diaz winning it for the same reason. And it, I mean, it's not a biggest shock in the world to say that football fans can be contradictory or hypocritical on Twitter. But I've been, yeah. I've been buzzing off, I have to say. And just for one particular Liverpool, um, a writer in inverted brackets who uh, put on Twitter this week some stats about Ruben Diaz, completely wrong stats, just basically falsified stats. Um, in his 47 appearances for City this season, City have conceded 27 goals. So that means the whole time he's been on the pitch for City, City have conceded mm. a goal every two and a half hours. He's fucking awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I was just, just going to just say one yeah. thing that I think is important that Adam said is, is that he's a really nice fella. I was listening to an interview with him the other day and they basically asked about him being, you know, the company replacement. He's like, I don't want you to speak about me being the company replacement because what he did for Manchester City was was invaluable and I want to make my own path here, right. which I think which I think is mega because it's just like, you know, he knows that he knows he was he was bought to replace company, but he doesn't want to be trying to one-up him, if you know yes. what I mean. He yeah, knows yeah. company's legacy at City. Harry, it all goes back to that first interview that he did at City, if everyone remembers that mm. uh, interview he gave in perfect English, um, his first day at the club. And I think you just knew at that point, this this man is a leader, but he's quite humble about it as well. Yeah. I think, I reckon he's very different in the changing room to how he is that when we see him. Yeah. I think we see him as, as kind of a nice guy and uh, quite quiet. I bet he's quite a loud and uh, like powerful voice in the dressing room, and it it does make a difference. Um, you, do it's the do same. you remember the video? Sorry, guys. Do you, do you remember yeah. the video that was doing the rounds just after he signed of the um, Lisbon uh, dressing room? Just as uh, yes, I think it was the last I game. About that. Yeah, the, 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 I think it was the final game he played before he he came to City, where he he kept clean sheet and scored a goal. Um, but there was a video of him giving the team talk in the huddle. Uh, in mm. Portuguese, obviously, I didn't understand a word of what he was saying, but the intensity and the passion with which he was speaking and the rapt attention which every teammate was was, was devoting to him, um, I just thought, my God, I would run through broken glass and through brick walls for this guy, and I don't have a clue what a single word he just said. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, and I think I, when I saw that video, I, I knew that we'd got somebody really quite special, not not the ordinary footballer. Uh, Ali, reportedly, he was our third choice centre-back um, <laughs> when we were nah, looking for one. Sense. Yeah. Um, but certainly there was competition. You know, City were genuinely interested in others. Um, does this just illustrate how 
much of luck is a factor in a transfer market because it doesn't matter how well you research a player, you don't know till you've got him into your club exactly who he is, exactly what he can offer. It just strikes me, and I don't wish to belittle, you know, the, the kind of um, the work that goes in behind the scenes by by City or any other club, but it just seems to me that we've been so blessed to get him. We're so lucky. I don't know. I genuinely don't know how much of it is luck and, and how much of it is is skill and, and judgment by by our staff, cheeky and his, and his uh, gang. Um, I also don't know how many of the public conversations that were being having had in the media about who we were chasing, who we were mm, negotiating yeah, over, who we actually wanted and who we didn't. Uh, how much of that was smoke and mirrors? How much of it was decoy? Yeah. Uh, how much of it we actually knew all along that Ruben was was the guy for us and. Um, and all of that is going on. Plus, you've got uh, people's agents constantly making mischief. Yeah. Um, and it just uh, doesn't end. I'm going to uh, get rid of that landline phone that's ringing in the background. You, 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 you are the conversation, that, guys. Ali, is that your agent on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Ta- tapping you up. I just feel that even City behind the scenes, they won't acknowledge it, of course, but I, I think that they are surprised at just how good, how influential yeah. he is. I I wonder though if he if he ever was third choice and I I almost don't believe no, it I almost no, because no. there was rumours about Diaz wasn't there the year before um, he signed mm. and it was like a Pep wants this player and everyone was like are you sure there was that video doing the rounds where it made Otamendi look quite sensible and everyone yes. was like yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah, ev- I every- do. yeah everyone at the time was saying oh are you sure about this are you sure. And then when you sign him and you, like Ali said, you see that video and then he, he joins and the impact was instant. It, it it took, what, two weeks? And you think, we've signed a, a great here. And then I think, as I said before, and I'm contradicting myself here, he's been very understated all season until that game against PSG when it mattered. Mm. If he's not on the pitch in that second leg against PSG, God knows if we'd have gone through. Yeah. Mm. Because yeah. he, yes, it was... It's it's weird. It looks rash what he does. It, every time he goes to ground, it looks rash. But nine times out of ten, it hits him. Yeah, there was a block against than, Brighton um, where he yeah. anticipated. It's a fantastic block. I mean, he yeah. anticipated the shot, came out of nowhere, and it was and, and it's become his trademark as well. Very quickly, that um, I love to see it. Yeah. I, I'm particularly looking forward, by the way, if he does stay with us for a good ten years, to him developing a mank accent. I think that's, that will happen. I can very much see that happening with him, but in, in a Jan Molby at Liverpool kind of way. But, and, and that'll be glorious. Um, yeah, Ruben Diaz, I mean, we can have a separate part as regards to our player of the year, but surely yeah. he's in, in, in the reckoning there. Um, okay, lads, we can't put this off any longer. Um, right, who, who wants to go first? I'm, I'm not going to speak much now. I'm just going to say that this weekend is very possibly the final appearance for Sergio Aguero in a Manchester City jersey. Um, Ali, are you ready for all the feels? No, <laughs> not remotely. Um I don't know where to begin. Uh, I, 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 okay, I do know where to begin. I think this is the right thing for everyone. It's heartbreaking. Uh, it's emotionally uh, uh, draining. Um, but Sergio couldn't stay forever. And I think the worst, uh, the worst things about being a City fan over the last season has been the camera shots of Sergio sitting with his arms crossed in front of mm. him, looking glum in the stands, um, not even waiting to come on as a sub, but knowing that he's not even in the you know first three 
substitutes lined up by Pep to come on. Um, and the games he has come on, it's been, or it, it's felt as if he's been there for uh, sentimental reasons rather than footballing ones. I, I honestly, he had, uh, there was the one game he had uh, about a month ago, and I can't remember who it was against, where he absolutely shone and reminded us all of really who Sergio was, and then came back the game after and was very much anonymous again, and that settled it for me. So there, I will say that I am not glad, but I think it is right that he moves on now. And if he does go to Barcelona, I'm absolutely delighted because I think it's probably the right move for him. Um, I think it's he, he can sit in the bench there and go <laughs> for the occasional cameo um, and feel like that that he's you know he's in the right place for him. If he had to, if he'd gone to Arsenal and ended oh, up God. sitting on the bench yeah. at Arsenal or or you know or just some I'm yeah dead, mediocre I... team in in Italy or whatever, then it it would have been so much worse. Uh, so of all the different combinations of outcomes that could have ha- that could have happened, I think uh, Sergio leaving as he has done. At this point, um, hopefully with City winning not just the, the title but also the Champions League, is just is perfect. It, there could not have been a better um, you know, exit script written for him. It's exactly what he deserves. Uh, for all that, uh, it's such a wrench to knowing, and, uh, knowing that he will be leaving and it's so deeply heartbreaking knowing that we probably won't ever see him in the sky blue again. Well, yeah, Harry, a potentially odd question, but I think this is legitimate in the context of what we're talking about and who we're talking about here. How much of an impact has Sergio Aguero had on your life? I'm not referring to what he's done for City, but just with you, with you yourself. Um, Again, I don't want to be this guy, but me being a more younger fan, um, Sergio has been my like sort of life growing up. Yeah. You know, my younger years a very sort of faint memories of, of Sean Wright Phillips and, and them lot. But from high school onwards, it has just been Sergio. And from absolute minute one, I fell in love with him. Yeah. Um, he's just, I think very similar in a way to, to David Silva and, and company as well, to be fair. He, um, he's never complained once, you know, he's a lad who could have played for any club in the world at any time and been a guaranteed starter for 10 years in a foreign country it's quite clear still that he's not confident enough speaking English he definitely can but he's still not confident enough so he's in a he's in an alien country to him and he stayed here and he's not kicked up a fuss once for for 10 years it was very easy as well when Pep came in when Pep didn't fancy him first of all for him to be like look I can play for anyone I'm off yeah Yeah, Yeah, he's got unreal character about him to, to continue and look I never I never watch the build-up to, to games. Um, I just don't like them. But Sunday, I will be drinking every little bit of it. In. Um, it's it's been such a strange one because it's it's felt like he's not already been there with all the injuries he's had. Um, but you know, we'll 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 miss him endlessly. I think everyone knows that he's been my favourite player ever. So not seeing him every week is certainly going to be different. Um, I don't think it's impossible for me to say. Uh, that we will never ever replace Sergio. You know, we can replace his goals, but his impact is Avon City will be remembered f- forever for me. Um, Adam, when his kind of leaving was first announced a few months ago, um, I, I tried to put it into words in the intro to, to the part of it, how there's different types of love you have for, for different types of players. Um, 
personally, I would put Sergio in the Vinny bracket, where it's kind of almost gratitude you feel towards him. Uh, with Vinny, it was because of his leadership qualities, obviously, and what he gave to the club. But with Sergio, it's the sheer amount of moments he's given us, the sheer amount of joy he's given us. Um, you know, with, with David Silva, for example, it's more you know the aesthetics, the appreciation of his beauty as a footballer. Um, would you go along with that? Would you kind of... Is that how you feel towards Sergio Aguero? Just grateful for the, 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 the kind of amazing amount of limbs that you've experienced? Yeah. He's... Vinny is in a very different category. Vinny was... Vinny led us to things, but without Aguero's goals, we would be nowhere. Yeah. He changed games that we'd never have won. He scored some of the most important goals the club has ever seen. He made memories that we will never have again. Um, he's He was just one of those players that you could rely on. And he, as, as Harry said, he could have gone anywhere. He, he really could have quite, and we wouldn't have blamed him for it. He could have gone to any other club in the world, Bayern, Barca, Madrid, anywhere like that. And he would have been their, their best striker. But he stayed with us and he battled back and battled back and had bad injuries and still kept coming back and never looked worse for it. So he's been amazing. And I'm with Ali in that I'm at peace with the fact that he's going. Um, I think it's the right time for us and him. If there ever is a right time, we could hold on to him. But I don't want us to see any more of what we've seen this season where it's fizzling out. Yeah. I don't think you ever want to see a player who has had such an impact and will never be replaced and will do well for anyone to break his records, to be quite honest. Um, I don't want to see that just fizzle out into total nothingness. And we were getting to that point, I think. And even at the moment, we don't know if he's going to play in his last game because of his fitness issues. So it's right for him to go and get that final big move to a Barca, as we think, go and play with Messi again and just enjoy the end of a a sparkling career. Um, he he isn't getting the send-off he deserves with only 10,000 fans being there, but I'm sure that when David Silva comes back for his testimonial, Aguero will be back too. Yeah. And people will be able to see him one last time. But it's it's just been a pleasure and it's gone so quickly. Remembering that first game against Swansea and thinking, God, we've signed, we've signed a proper a proper player here. And it was one of the first times in my, in my lifetime that we'd signed a player that you genuinely sit up and go, we've signed one of the best players in the world and we didn't (laughs) even know it. And that doesn't really come along. And I don't think it has since even De Bruyne and Sterling and the players that have followed, they, they just don't have that thing that Aguero has. And I, I struggle to even put into words what that is. It's just a knack that he's had of, of scoring great goals and scoring a lot of them. You think of, he scored five goals in 20 minutes in a Premier League game. That doesn't happen. <laughs> that really, that genuinely doesn't happen. He scored a, a Champions League hat-trick against Bayern Munich. He, he scored winners against United at Old Trafford, one of them being one of the most ridiculous goals that led to Phil Jones's face forever etched in <laughs> memories and memes. He scored, a, he scored a goal that won us the Premier League title that, no one needs to talk about. He he scored winners against Spurs and it's crazy what he's done. And I think it's only after he leaves that fans 
even of City, will realise just how good he was because the last season has been so tough for him. So I hope he goes out with a bang and winning the Champions League, for him especially, will round things off perfectly. He doesn't need to play. He's done his bit. But just to see him lift it and be in the squad is, that is just it. Cherry on top of a perfectly baked cake. If we're 2-0 up against Chelsea with two minutes to go and we've still got a sub spare and Pep doesn't bring Sergio on, then... I'd bring him on in, on crutches. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Honest to God. And and we know as well, so this Sunday he will lift the trophy, the Premier League trophy. Yeah. You can put You can put everything you own on. If we win the trophy next Saturday night, he will lift that. Yeah. And that yeah. is just... The greatest ending. Go out on the biggest of highs. Farewell. Bye. I, ju- I just wouldn't put it past Fernandinho to just hand it to Aguero. Exactly. No, exactly it's just that, that type of lad, isn't it? Yeah. He'd do that for the Champions League. I'm, yeah. I'm sure of it. I remember uh, a totally different circumstance. Remember when Abidal lifted it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. for Barca, and it was Barca. He. It was totally different uh, circumstances, and it was amazing to see that. This would be how it ends. Just see him lift that trophy. And, he, and as he said, and keeps getting brought up, I will leave City when they win the Champions League. If he can stick to that and walk away into the sunshine of Barcelona, then happy days. What what a finish. <laughs> I get goosebumps. Here. Well, right, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I, I really don't want to kind of talk about next season after that, to be honest. It seems anticlimactic. Mm. But when Sergio does go... Um, our current attacking options, Jesus, Torres, Sterling, Dalap, Mares, Foden, KDB and Bernardo, of course, can play in more advanced roles when required. Um, Ali, can you see any of these leaving for starters this summer? And the, the second question is the obvious one. Do we need, you know, a very expensive replacement for Sergio? <laughs> right, there's a lot going on there. Yes, yes, sir. Um, there's a possibility that one of at least one of those uh, players could leave as part of a, a deal mm. for another player, which we may come on to talk about. Um, and I mean, I, I think under normal circumstances, it would have been quite likely that uh, one, two, maybe even three of those players might have been looking at a move this summer. Uh, I think what's killed it is the pandemic and the fact that pretty much all of our wealthy rivals um, are skint, <laughs> yeah. ironically. Um, <laughs> and the trans- I think the transfer market will remain pretty flat this summer. Um, and I think some of these players who might have moved on under normal circumstances will stay simply because no one can afford to, to buy them. Um, and the the players they need to sell in order to get the money to buy someone else and, and so on and so forth. Um, yeah, these things work as a, as a holistic economy, if I can put it that way. So uh, it's quite likely that none of them will. Um, I mean, sh- should somebody be coming in? Uh, can Do we talk about the Harry Kane thing now? Yeah, um, yeah. How do you feel about that? Okay, I will, I will, I will... Lay my cards on the table. I do not want Harry Kane to come to Manchester City. Right. I am in that camp. Um, And I'll explain why. It's not really much to do with Kane. He's not my favourite player. Um, I would would be much more keen to have uh, Son, for example, who I just like more Mm. as a footballer and I haven't got kind of um, petty personal grudges against. (laughs) Um, uh, Now, if, if uh, if things 
uh, uh, pan out and we do end up with Harry Kane playing for Manchester City. I'm sure it will take, you know, literally one goal until I love him with you know, every fibre of my being yeah. and it will all move on. Um, but my big, my big objection to this is not really about Harry Kane as a player or a person. Um, I just don't like buying the big star players from our rivals. I think it creates lots of kind of negative energy around the club and I can imagine how it would play out. Say for, you know, uh, just as a hypothetical, if Harry Kane did come to Manchester City, um, the the schedule for the next champion, uh, for the next um, Premier League season comes out, it comes to October and City go to London to play against Tottenham and we get weeks of the Harry Kane going back to Spurs uh, hype and media and it all gets uh, nobody can talk about anything else and then the Spurs fans boo him and the City fans boo the Spurs fans <sighs> and then he scores a goal and refuses to celebrate and, and that annoys me and just the whole, <laughs> the whole circus that surrounds a, a big high profile move from, from one of the top teams to one of the other top teams is just more hassle than it's worth I think um, that's why I would rather pay twice as much to bring in Haaland who not only is what, six years younger, however many, uh, eight years younger. Uh, hopefully doesn't have ankles made of glass and, and various other bits of baggage and has got a whole career ahead of him and, and still a lot of improving to do. Um, whereas I kind of think Kane at his age is probably somewhere near his peak and can only really go downwards. And the, when players move from one club to another, we should not rule out the, uh, the quite common uh, course of events, which is that they're... Uh, their form falls off a cliff, and yeah, that can happen too, particularly when you when you get to that age. Uh, so he would be uh, Hurricane would not be my first choice. He would not even be my second or third choice. Um, I'm quite you know prepared to to rethink all of that and change my mind when he does actually arrive and and walks out wearing <laughs> a blue you know, blue shirt. Um, but for now, I, I really don't want that to happen. Um, if I, I I will go further, I would say I I now. Despite earlier in the season, I was not at all sure about uh, Erling Haaland. I wasn't sure whether he was a City player. I've now changed my mind. Um, <laughs> I've now got my heart set on him. If he doesn't come, I would actually rather see Torres and, and continue with a false nine for a year and bring Haaland in next summer um, than to, to go for a very expensive alternative that would probably then preclude the possibility of, of Haaland or another player of that ilk arriving a year from now um, when all our wages were being sucked up by Harry Kane. Uh, so, you know, that that's where I stand. Um, as I say, I'm quite prepared to change my mind, but I'm, uh, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not in the pro Harry Kane camp. So there okay. I am. Well, Adam, Harry, do, do either of you kind of feel <sighs> strongly kind of opposed to that? I, I'm, I'm on the other side of the fence. So we do have a, yeah. we have an unusual disagreement we um, have a debate ladies and gentlemen <laughs> i'm so i've weighed this up for for a while and i'm all in because i think harry kane is not the sexy choice that's harland harland is your young bright spark harry kane injuries aside and city as a club will decide whether that is a factor and if they agree that they can go with it he, he'll score 20 goals in the Premier League next season, maybe more playing for, for City. And you just have to look at his numbers this year with the assists that he's got. He's he's ready-made and he's a sure thing as long as the caveat is always the injury thing. If he stays fit, he is a sure thing. 
Haaland isn't yet, but Haaland is a long-term thing. The thing with Kane is he's 28 this summer. You've got three, four years of of 20 goals a season. And it's yes, it's a, it's a short to medium-term option, but it kind of aligns with Pep's contract situation as well. And I wonder if... The, the thing with Haaland is we will end up in the the fight of all fights to sign a player and City don't get drawn into it. Mm, they just will not get true. drawn into a, a fight. And the thing with Kane is if they went to Daniel Levy and said, right, what do you want? Okay, well, we're going to give you this. Done. And I don't think his wages will be on the Haaland scale of astronomical. I don't think it's... Unlike if Haaland comes in, it's going to cost you 300 grand plus a week and that's really going to piss players off at City already. So... Mm. I'm I'm good with it. I'm really good with Kane being being the man for the next three years. Um, it's a tough decision, though, isn't it? I'm. And the thing is, if he does get injured, we know that we can work without a striker. That, but if you yeah. if you keep him fit for a season, what an option to build on. He's yeah, he's just a sure thing for me. And I, I can't see that. Sorry, go on. No, go on. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. It's tough. It's tough. No, I was just going to say, I can't see that false nine being a, a long-term thing. I, it's yeah. worked for us this yeah. season. I just can't yeah. see us operating without a striker for a long-term. I mean, to turn to turn a nose up at a, a sort of an elite finisher, I mean elite finisher. I mean, there's a goal a couple of weeks ago he scored against Palace where he's about 40 yards out. Absolutely nothing's happening and he just rockets it into the top corner. It was just like, wow. So he guaranteed goals and... His build-up play and technical ability on the ball is severely underrated. Um, obviously, the, the, the sort of cons to that is his ankle injuries are obviously a slight concern, especially especially with our luck with injuries. You know, he'd be injured on the first day, wouldn't he? Um, but I, I think it all kind of boils down to, I think the main reason a lot of people are against it is because we'll miss out on Haaland. Um, but if he's not available with Dortmund securing Champions League football, I feel like City will want to sign a number nine for next season um, uh, and other than that you know I, I just cannot see City turning the nose up at an elite finish especially with a point that Adam raised which is quite good that you know these wages are not going to be on the, the Holland level yeah I mean just staying with you Harry what it sounds daft given what we've achieved this season but what would we have done with a prolific number nine in, in our starting lineup with Aguero or Kane for example Um, just just the better outlet in the box yeah. Um, the lads in midfield will will know that they can now do their thing, especially you know De Bruyne, and, and they know that there'll be someone in the box to finish it off. I think, if anything, the the main criticism of of this season, considering there there is very very few, is that we've not scored as many goals as we have in previous years, mm. and I think that's mainly because we are getting into them positions still. Um, we we do create chances, but it, it's just the final ball into the box because there's no one there. There's a bit of delay on it because they look up and they see no one there, or it, it's just flashed across and there's no runners in the box. I know um, forward and Mares have been decent at doing that, and Gundogan in that period when De Bruyne was injured was fantastic at arriving in in them positions at the right time. But you know, if if Kane is just told just stand on that six yard box and we will find you, he'll score thirty forty goals a season. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I've, I've listened to all you said. <laughs> I've got my gavel out, and um, I'm going to err on the on the side of signing him. But it's I, I take all all your points, Ali. You made a mm. damn fine case, to be honest. You, you, you kind of swayed me. Um, but yeah, it's Harry Kane. It's it's he's got 21 goals, 25 goals, 29 goals, 30, 17, 18, 22 in the last six seasons. I mean, that's oh, phenomenal. God. 
it's incredible. With, 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 with injuries, he's had. First, um, so sorry, not the first question, obviously, the final question on this. Would you sign in before or after the Euros? Where's your gamble? I don't think it's going to have too much of an impact the Euros because everyone knows what kind of level he's at anyway. Um, I think if it was, you know, an up and coming player, then they could have a dream tournament and all of a sudden you're, you're chucking an extra 25 million, 30 million onto him. But I don't think it's going to kind of, unless he has a, a piss poor Euros, that'll put Daniel Levy in, in, a, in a poorer position, of course. So yeah, that, that might be something in that. It's just, it's just in case he gets injured, is, yeah. is my thought. Yeah. In case mm. something happens to him at the Euros or. Um, or he does score 15 goals at the Euros on the flip side of that, and then Levy mm. is rubbing his hands together. So it's yeah. it's a gamble, I think, either way, but it's almost the David Silver gamble um, where that World Cup campaign, was it 2010? Yeah. Is it the Euros or the World yeah, Cup? World Cup, yeah, 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 World Cup. And World Cup. You, you take the gamble. So, I, But I do think, unlike Haaland, you'd be able to get the Kane deal done very quickly. Yeah. Well, I think if you're going to talk about age as well, I mean, look, we signed Fernandinho at 28 and he's turned out to be one of our best ever players. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I, I'm still getting over the fact that uh, Adam has referred to Haaland as um, the sexy striker. <laughs> no, he is. He, he is. He's the, he's the big name, isn't he? He's the I big, know what you meant. Yeah, absolutely. The big new... He's the sexy option but, just for, for all fans. But t- take I, a I think he, uh, Yeah, I mean, you can do if you want. Um, he's about eight foot, so he's a bit tall for me. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and let's round off today with um, kind of looking beyond City. Um, in the Premier League this season, Harry, who's impressed you the most? Oh, can I, I, I went the other way in terms of like who surprised me, but it's okay. in a bad way. That's fine. I, I've gone, I've gone Wolves because Great they show. seem to have stagnated massively. Yeah, and it's gone a bit under the radar. Um, first of all, they signed Fabio Silva, the, the striker, for thirty-six million pounds. I didn't realise it was that much money. Um, and he scored four goals in all competitions. In comparison, that is the same as John Stones. Um, <laughs> and two of them had, were with his cock. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and we've, they've had poor cut runs in, in both as well. They were knocked out by Stoke in the Carabao Cup in the, in the second round. And then they were knocked out by Saints in the in the fifth round of the FA Cup. Bearing in mind, before that, they, they beat Charlie 1-0. Absolutely straight past them. Um <laughs> They're a massively rich club who, you know, is a bit under the radar how much money they do spend on players. They basically bought the way out of the championship. Um, and, you know, they had a good season last season, but they have stagnated massively. They're 12th, but I think if there was a tiny bit more quality in the league, they'd be, they'd be right down there in the relegation fight, definitely. Mm. Um, and they have severely unperformed and massively got away with it. So I've just sent for a personal attack there, it seems like. No, you go for it, man. <laughs> I think it's a great shout out. We've massively missed Jimenez, but, you know, we've missed... Oh, yeah, of course, Guerrero, that's so, obvious, yeah. But we've similarly, we've been without Guerrero. There's levels to this, isn't there? So, you know, you can only use that as so much of an excuse. I, I got asked this week to write something about which teams have, have got one eye on the beach you know, going into this weekend. And immediately I thought of Wolves and I thought, to be fair, they've had one eye on, on the pina coladas all season. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, Adam, who's impressed you the most beyond City in the Premier League this, this That's year? A very, that was a very, very good shout, Wolves. Um, I, I'm going to go for the very obvious answer of West Ham. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm with you, yeah. Been, been really good, uh, both in the results and the style of football. Uh, Moyes has managed to get them playing football that nobody quite thought Moyes could play 
Mm. I think it's fair to say that he's often been known as quite stubborn and quite stagnant in the way that they play and they just grind out results, but they've been exciting. They brought in some, like the, the scouting and the signings were just spot on. They did exactly what they needed to do. They've made Declan Rice properly stand out now, which is is great for for the English side as well. Um, they brought Lingard back into the fray, and God knows what United have been doing with that man for the last couple of years because <laughs> he's just he's come back in and he he just looks like he's having fun again. So they've been excellent, um, and they've actually been good to watch. A West Ham game's on, and I'll probably watch it, which I don't do for a lot of teams. Um, Sheffield United would be the other side to that coin where. They had such a good season last year. They they were playing so hard, so far above their bar, and they just couldn't find another way this year. So, yeah, I I think West Ham have been uh, standouts for me. Yeah, it's it's just shocking in itself that you know two of us are basically saying David Moyes has been you know a standout manager this year. Just Moyes in itself, never <laughs> yeah. himself, never mind the team. Do, do you know what, Steve? I'm glad for him. Yeah, I really yeah. am because he's he's put that. I, I never hated him at United because it was such a, a weird and awful fit. He he just looked so out of, of place there. Um, no disrespect to him, but trying to fill Ferguson's boots was not for him. Impossible. That was just, it was so difficult and he was put in a, the most ridiculous position and he struggled and he became, everyone started making fun of him basically at the end of it. And he's he's gone to West Ham who were in danger of relegation and he's got them into a position to play in Europe straight away. So he's done very, very well with, with what he's had. And um, mm. I, I'm, I'm pleased for him, weirdly. Yeah, oh, well said. I'll go on. I also won't be surprised if they were in a relegation fight next season. That's true. Um, yeah, there is, there is the chance that they lose a couple of players and they go backwards, but... Yeah. Uh, Ali, who's, who's most impressed you this season? Yeah, I would have said West Ham, but uh, having covered that, um, we have to give due credit to Leicester. Um, yeah, they have. They are a mid-table team, a mid-table squad who have cemented themselves in, in the top four almost. You know, they've, they've spent most of the last two seasons in the top four. They were incredibly unlucky not to finish it last year. They may be incredibly unlucky not finishing it again. Uh, I, I desperately hope for their sake they do get through. Um, but they've won the FA Cup on top of that, of course, which was you know, an amazing accomplishment. Um, and just the, the quality of football that they've produced consistently. Uh, and they've, they've managed to have um, Jamie Vardy sort of a little bit uh, drop off in form, yeah. certainly in... in uh, in numbers, you know, he's not getting the goals. And our boy Kalechi have come through and has been phenomenal in the, the last quarter of the season, kind of the last couple of months. Um, just absolutely carried that team. He's, he's been amazing. Uh, and the job that Brendan Rodgers has done there really is sensational. And um, I, I don't think we can, uh, I don't think we can discount just what an achievement it is to have that club above the likes of uh, Chelsea and Arsenal and uh, well, Liverpool yeah. <laughs> this year, yeah. uh, but but you know not just in in one game, and you know the fact they they came to the Etihad and beat us five two uh, in a weird game, admittedly, but they've been producing results like that against everyone, uh, and it is it's quite an extraordinary achievement, particularly uh, given what they did in uh, two thousand fifteen sixteen, whatever the year was, um, and how you know everyone could have allowed you know all of that squad and and everyone involved to kind of. Put up their feet forevermore, um, and and what they've done is they've they've 
uh, you know, cemented their position and they built on it, um, which is really quite an extraordinary achievement in modern football. Well, one thing about Leicester with their aspirations for top four, and I really hope they do it, it's not just a case of hoping Liverpool miss out, it's a case of Leicester getting in this weekend, um, is because as we speak now, Leicester has spent 97% of this season in the top four. <laughs> And oh, they go into this weekend as the outsiders, which is. Yep. But just uh, just as as an outsider though, um, looking at it, you know, f- in our shoes, I'm pretty sure Leicester fans would have took what happened in the FA Cup final over top four yeah. shoes. Yeah, that, that's a, that's you know I saw that on Twitter, and I genuinely don't know where I stand. So I'm going to back out of this one. Adam, would you, as a Leicester fan, top four or FA Cup uh, final win? Uh, the FA Cup, but. And it's a weird one, this. They'd be very unlucky not to finish in the top four. Mm. But how on earth have they managed to do that two seasons on the bounce? That they get to the last four games and something just says, nope, not this time. Yeah, and it Two years running. It'd yeah. be, yeah. I, I think it wouldn't be unfortunate at this point because he, they should not have let that slip, yeah. surely. So, I, I, I mean, do, do you not think to, to a bit... To at least an extent, it's about the other teams around them finally Picking finding up. their, their yeah. proper level. Um, yeah. And I don't think Leicester played bad at any stage in, in the run-up. Last year was, you know, in the in the after uh, Bridget restart, they came back and they were just appalling and it was unforgivable and, and you yeah, know, that was entirely their own fault. It doesn't feel like that this time to me. I think they've just they've just been squeezed out by, by other stronger point. squads. Yeah, Liverpool and Chelsea coming into form late on us. Yeah has done them in a little bit but at the same time they could have had it finished off really sure so, sure it's um, a tough one for them lads i've really enjoyed today uh mm. quality of that thank you very much harry yeah no worries mate thanks adam cheers mate thanks ali loved it enjoy the enjoy the game on sunday everyone and thank you as ever to all our listeners and um, before we go i just want to say something and i hope nobody thinks this is cloying i hope you know me well enough by now to know when i'm being sincere the thing is, the team we support has just won the league, and they did so by digging down deep into their reserves. Reserves they maybe didn't even know that they had. They had to adapt. They had to find a way to prevail against the odds. And we've all done this too, getting through this weird and horrible year. You see, we get DMs and we get emails and interactions on social media, and we know that some of you out there have been financially hit really hard these past 12 months, and that some of you have been very reluctantly taken to a dark place. But we're all still here chatting about City, listening to four lads chatting about City, living. I know we're not out of the woods yet. I know that the world is healing, but it hasn't healed yet. And I know that some of you will still be in that dark place. But at the end of a football season, this feels especially symbolic on this occasion. So when you raise a glass to Kevin De Bruyne and the boys this weekend, raise one for yourself too, because we're also champions. We'll be back on Monday with a match review. In the meantime, take care, be well. And I'm really not referring to the team or the club here. Forever up, you magnificent blues.